right. Good morning. We're so glad you guys chose to brave the snow and the ice. Like, thank you so much for coming out this morning. I believe this is going to be a great, great message for many of you. But to start, what I want you to do is I want you to imagine that you were born in the 1700s. Okay? Long time ago. I want you to imagine that you were alive back then. Life was simple back then, you know? There was no social media. There were no credit card bills. There was no Trump. There was no Trudeau. Doesn't sound too bad, quite honestly. I'm just going to be real with you guys. Like, sounded like a pretty decent time to be alive. Now, one day in the 1700s when you're, when you're living, you wake up with a little bit of a fever. That's nothing too serious, okay? It's not a huge deal. But you wake up, you're feeling under the weather, and in fact, you're feeling bad enough that you decide you should go to your local doctor and have a little bit of blood drained out of you, right? Because everybody knows in the 1700s, the reason that people get sick is because your body humors are out of balance. And so you go see your physician, he slaps a couple leeches on you, and then you leave feeling a little bit better, right? So you go to your doctor, you tell him what you're dealing with, but this time he doesn't do the whole blood draining thing. Instead, your physician starts to tell you about some new scientific discoveries. And he starts to tell you that they have learned and discovered that what you're experiencing is not the result of like having too much of this fluid and too little of that fluid, but that in reality, all the symptoms that you're dealing with are caused by tiny invisible animals. And he says, these tiny invisible animals are everywhere in the world and they're in your body and my body and they can be passed from one person to another. They're way too small for you to ever see, but they come from other people. They come into our bodies and they actually attack us from the inside out. Now, of course, as he's telling you all of this, you think he's nuts, you're like, what? Tiny invisible animals? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. What are you talking about? You're supposed to be a man of science. What? I mean, like, you're saying that my body is being attacked by grumpkins and snarks? Are you serious? This is fairy tale stuff. You don't believe a word he's saying. In fact, you decide that when you leave, you're going to have to find another primary care physician because this guy has lost his mind. Except he hasn't, has he? The doctor was actually correct. The symptoms that you're experiencing actually are caused by tiny little animals that are way too small for you to see with your eyes. And in fact, there is this invisible microscopic war that is raging all around us and inside of us every single day. And whether you like it or not, you're a participant in this battle. There's nothing you can do about it. It's there whether you choose to acknowledge it or whether you decide to ignore it. You cannot get away from it no matter how hard you try. And the only way that you're ever going to be able to comprehend it is if you have the right eyes to see. You've got to have a microscope, essentially, the right lens to look through in order to see all of these tiny little animals that are making us all so sick. Now, we're kicking off a new series today called When the Devil Knocks, which I just think is a great title name, especially for October. 
We're going to be talking about spiritual beings and spiritual battle because like the microscopic realm of the 16 and 1700s, there is a spiritual realm, an unseen realm around us, but people tend to doubt its existence, maybe even you. As with viruses and white blood cells, there is this big, epic, constant battle that is raging all around us and inside of us. We're caught in the middle. And as with our discovery of germ theory, our strength lies not in our size or in our might, but instead our strength lies in our awareness of what's really going on behind the scenes. Isn't that true? Like, it doesn't matter that you're one bazillion times bigger than a little bacteria. That bacteria can take you out. So it's not your size. It's not your strength. It's your awareness of what's really happening under the surface that gives you the power to win the battle that you're in. So whether you are here and you are a hyper-spiritual person, and you know who I'm, you know who you are, or you're here and you are a hyper-rational person, and I know who you are, you know who you are, regardless of which end of that spectrum that you fall on, I'm hoping that this series, we're going to do it for five weeks, including today, this will give you a real understanding. It'll give you eyes to see, the right lenses to look through, so that things that are normally invisible to you will start to become very obvious, that you will begin to see the reality behind our reality, that the spiritual battles that we face are in fact real, and they They play out in the physical world and in our physical lives every single day. So what we're going to do each message in this series, I'm going to give you one word that we're going to focus on. I want you to kind of just keep it in your mind. It's going to be our emphasis for the morning. And each of these words starts with the letter A. So today, our word is awareness. I want you to become aware of this unseen reality that you might have no knowledge of whatsoever. To help illustrate the sort of awareness that I'm talking about, I want to read you a really fascinating story from the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings is a book in the Old Testament, and it's this historical record of the kings and priests and prophets of ancient Israel. The kings and priests and prophets who were around and doing their thing in about 850 B.C., So this was a long, long time ago in ancient history, but we still have these records of the things that they said and saw and did. And I want you to look at this story that we find in 2 Kings chapter number six, because it is completely mind-blowing. It's so good. We're going to start reading here in verse number eight. I've got the verses on the screen. You can follow along with me. The Bible says, when the king of Aram, that was a nation back in the day, okay, so this is a foreign nation from the Israelites, when the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and he would say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. Okay, so we've got Aram and the king of the Aramean army. We have Israel and we have a king in Israel. And then there is also in Israel a prophet, an advisor, a man of God, the scripture says, named Elisha. And Elisha is constantly giving insight and wisdom to the king of Israel so that he does not fall into the trap that the Aramean king is setting. 
So it says here, uh, the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and he demanded, which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord, the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, he tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. And at that point, I'm sure the king was like, go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back. They discovered that Elisha was at the town of Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. And when the servant of the man of God, so Elisha's servant, this is another guy in the story. When when Elisha's servant got up early the next morning and he went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. He got up, took a walk out on the balcony, And he saw the enemy's army mobilized. There were lots of them. And they had all the modern technology of the day. And of course, he freaked out a little bit. The Bible says, oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. There were two guys on Elisha's side. And I'm sure Elisha was a bad mamma jamma, but he wasn't going to win an army. You know, he wasn't going to win a battle against a whole army. So what's he talking about here? Well, the Bible tells us in verse number 17, Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was also filled with horses and chariots of fire. Oh, that's pretty cool, man. I'm not even going to lie to you. That would be pretty sweet. So two guys, they're looking around. One of them is like, we're going to lose this battle. There is no way because there's only two of us and there's an entire army on the other side. And Elijah says, God, show them what's really going on here. Show him the reality behind the reality. Let him see what is currently invisible to him. So God lifts the veils. He gives him eyes to see. And suddenly he realizes that there is a spiritual battle that is raging alongside of the physical battle. And in the spiritual realm, they were not alone. In the physical realm, they might have been just the two of them. But in the spiritual, they were surrounded by God's army. We learn from this story that there is a spiritual world that is every bit as real as the physical world that we see every day. Now, look, I I can almost see some of you guys rolling your eyes right now. You're a rational person. I understand that. You only believe what you can perceive with your five senses. And you're like, dude, I've never seen an angel. I've never seen a demon. Nothing miraculous has ever happened to me. So I don't believe any of this stuff. And I'll tell you, that's commendable. Like, seriously, I'm not being patronizing. Like, it's a good thing that you are a rational person. You're not gullible. You don't believe anything any idiot says. Anybody with me? Like, that's a good thing. You shouldn't just walk around accepting whatever somebody says. You should think about it critically. You should use the senses and the mind that God has given you. But can I challenge you 
on the idea that you can know reality through the five senses. Because in truth, there is so much more to reality than what we can perceive and and interact with using only our five senses. Science has shown us that there is more to the world than we can hear and taste and touch and smell and feel. I think I got all of them, right? Okay, do you guys know that right now, DJ Khaled's voice is floating through this auditorium? I'm not even kidding you. It is. Boom. It's here. You just can't hear it. Why? Because it exists in a form that your five senses cannot process. In order for you to hear his silky tones, in order for you to hear his rhymes, you've got to have a radio, something that will convert and interpret the reality into something your five senses can actually experience. You with me? So there is a reality that exists that we cannot access using only our five senses. And we know that not from the scripture, but from the Bible. This is true of atoms. Everything in here is made up of atoms, but you can't see the atoms, right? This is true of electromagnetism. These lights are working because there's electricity. I guess you could feel electricity. I don't recommend that. But like you can't really understand electricity using only the five senses that you have. Listen, Calgary hosted the Olympics back in 88, right? Okay, you don't know that because of your five senses. You, you can't experience that today. Instead, you have to interact with that knowledge. You have to engage it in some other way. There is a world that exists that cannot be interacted with, perceived, or accessed using only the five senses that God has given you. Reality is bigger than what you see and taste and touch and smell every single day. Okay, so this is also true of the spiritual reality that we live in. Maybe this is part of the reason that some of you have never experienced this spiritual reality that I'm talking about. You keep asking for physical evidence of a metaphysical reality. No wonder you can't find any. You're asking for something that doesn't exist. It's a non-starter. Imagine I was talking with a historian And I said to the historian, hey, listen, I am never going to believe that Julius Caesar was murdered unless you show me a photo. Pixar didn't happen, bro. If I did that, the historian would look at me like I was an idiot. He would be like, there is no evidence like that. That sort of evidence doesn't exist. You're asking for something that no one could ever produce. That does not mean there is no evidence that Julius Caesar was murdered. It simply means I'm asking for the wrong kind of evidence. I think some of you have been asking for the wrong kind of evidence for the spiritual world that exists around you. No wonder you can't see it. No wonder you can't experience it because you're trying to look at it through physical lenses, but it's a spiritual reality. If I demand one type of evidence and I ignore all the other kinds of evidence, then I shouldn't be surprised if I find myself blind to the reality. There's another reason that many people are blind to the spiritual reality. And it's, it's true of non-Christians, and it's also quite true of some Christians as well. Let me read you what the scripture has, says, says here in 2 Corinthians. In, in 2 Corinthians, the Bible says, Satan, who is the God of this world. Now, I want you to pause there, and I want you to notice the scripture uses the little g word, calls him a God or a small God. What that means is he's a pretender to the throne. He thinks he's in charge, but he ain't. 
He's a little G God. I know some people that walk around like a little G God. One day they're going to find out they're a little G God. All right, Satan, who is the little G God of this world, he has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Charles Baudelaire, the the French poet, he had this great line that you might've heard one time in a movie. He said, the cleverest trick of the devil is convincing us that he doesn't exist, blinding us to the reality behind the reality, keeping our eyes from seeing what's really going on in our circumstances. So here's what I wanna do. Something I've never done, smack dab in the middle of a message. I'm gonna stop and we're gonna pray because we need to ask God to show us what's really going on to let us see things that we've never seen before, to perceive and understand and interact with things that have been invisible and hidden to us up until this moment. So God, we pray that today you would give each of us eyes to see, spiritual eyes, so that we would know what's really going on in our world. We pray, God, that you would lift the veil You would lift our reliance only on the five senses, but that, God, we would sense in our soul that there is more to what we experience on a daily basis. God, we ask that you would not just give us a glimpse of the spiritual realm, but today I ask that you would help us to grasp the spiritual realm, to really understand how true it is, how important it is, and God, not to simply ignore it, but to operate in it every single day. I pray that you would meet our 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 unbelief, God, with an undeniable experience. And God, we pray that you would make this happen in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all see any demons? Any angels? No, me either. Wonder why that is? Maybe we'll talk about it. There is a spiritual world that is every bit as real as a physical world. Let me also tell you that the spiritual world governs the physical world. The the spiritual realm is the true one. It's the real one. It's the one that is motivating. It is the one that is producing the physical that we see and interact with every single day. If that's hard for you to believe, maybe we can illustrate it by going a little bit further in Elisha's story. He prays and he says, God, open the eyes of this kid. Show him what's really going on. God lifts the veil. He sees all of this heavenly army around him. So in verse number 18, watch what happens. As the Aramean army advanced towards them, Elisha prayed, oh Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and he told them, dudes, you came the wrong way this isn't the right city. Follow me and I'll take you to the man that you're looking for. They're looking for Elijah. They're blind, not in the sense that they can't see, but they can't perceive what's going on. So he says, follow me guys. I'll take you where you need to go. So the Lord, uh, sorry, uh, and he led them rather to the city of Samaria. Now, as soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, oh Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. Now watch this in verse 21. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, my father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Like this is our chance. God has worked a miracle. 
This, like we could slaughter the entire army and be done with them. Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them home again to their master. So the king made a great feast for them and he sent them home to their master. And after that, the Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. I just think it's super cool, man, because like a lot of people read the Old Testament, and they're like, oh, it's so violent and bloody, and you know, everybody's killing everybody, and it seems like God sanctions all of it. Well, there are lots of instances in which God treats people graciously even when they don't deserve it. Okay, the spiritual world governs the physical world. Elisha did not win this battle because he had size or strength. He won the battle because he was aware of what was really going on behind the scenes. It was the spiritual world that dictated what was going to happen in the physical world. And the same holds true in 2019 in Calgary, Alberta as well. Very often, we don't get traction over the physical problems in our life, the emotional problems, the relational problems, the financial problems, whatever it is. We can't gain traction over them because they are actually spiritual problems that we have failed to address. We try to rely on physical solutions to spiritual problems, and then it doesn't work, and we wonder why. Elisha won because he won in the spiritual. That was the thing that governed what happened in the physical. Sometimes we we might say things like, you know, gosh, if I was just a better parent, then I wouldn't be having all of these problems with my teenager, you know? I, I, I just wish I could be somebody better so that this wouldn't happen. Or we say things like, oh, if only I had better health, then I wouldn't have to struggle so much. I wouldn't battle depression or or feeling ill. I just wish I had a better body, a better feeling body. We say things like, oh, you know, I wish I had a better job. I wish the physical would just kind of take care of itself, you know? Like I could have the money I needed, a boss I loved working for. I wish I had a better job, or I wish I was in better shape, or if only our politicians would get their act together, the world could finally be right. Listen, that's operating in the physical. And it's not that addressing the physical is wrong. Of course you need to address the physical, but I'm telling you, you don't need a physical advantage. You need a spiritual awareness. Maybe we could put it like this. You don't need a greater advantage. You need a greater awareness. You don't need more money. You don't need a better body. You don't need a new spouse. You don't need a new house. You don't need those things. What you need is an awareness of what is really happening in your situation. What is really going on behind the scenes in that relationship or in your financial life or here on Sunday mornings? You don't need a greater advantage. Elisha didn't need a bigger army. He didn't need a machine gun. All he needed was an awareness of what was really going on behind the scenes. You're not battling your kids. You're not battling your body. You're not battling your boss. You're not battling the opposing political party. We need God to open our eyes so that we'll see that Ephesians chapter number six, verse 12 is so true. We do not fight against flesh and blood enemies, but against heavenly rulers and authorities in the unseen world. We fight against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits, even in the heavenly places. You don't need a greater advantage. I'm telling you, the thing you need is greater awareness. 
You need to see the source of your problem, the attack that's coming in your life. You need to recognize that this is not just what you can see on the surface, but boy, there is a whole lot going on underneath. And unless and until we address the spiritual, the physical is always going to be a bit of an issue. There's one last piece of encouragement from this, and then we'll wrap up. I, I, I just, I find this to be so comforting, and I hope that you do too. This story and this fact that there is an unseen spiritual world, it tells us that you, we are not alone in our battles. We are not alone in the battles that we face. There are unseen forces all around you, and they're in battle with one another. And you may find yourself caught in the middle of that battle at the moment. But can I tell you, the forces of goodness and holiness and godliness, they are fighting for you. The forces of evil and darkness in our world, they may win a battle or two, but they have already lost the war. God has won. Jesus already has the victory. We're just doing mop-up duty right now. We're just finishing this thing up until it can all finally be put to rest. This is why the book of Romans says, if God is for us, who could ever stand against us? You are not alone in the battles you face. I know that you walked in this morning carrying heavy burdens. And listen, one of the reasons church exists is to help you through that, to come alongside of you. The Bible says in the book of Galatians that we should carry one another's burdens. And when we do that, we fulfill the law of Christ. But even if church never steps up in your life, even if I can't be what you need me to be, you are not alone in your battles. If, if you would just ask God, I believe he would lift the veil. He would open your eyes. He would help you to see what's really going on around you, that you are surrounded by God's power and his protection and his love. And no matter what you're facing, you are not facing it alone. The greatest place that we see this, not in 2 Kings 6, but the greatest place we see all of this come together is in our Lord and Savior, Jesus. See, because from a physical perspective, if we're only operating in the physical, what we can see and, and interact with according to our five senses, then the story about Jesus goes something like this. He was uh, uh, an ancient kind of rabble-rousing rabbi. He was always kind of stirring the pot and, you know, saying things that made people upset and that sort of thing. But he was a wise dude. The problem is he got a little careless at one point. And because he got careless, he found himself killed by the authorities of his day. That's a shame, man. That is really too bad. Can you imagine what Jesus would have said? Like if he hadn't just been teaching for three years, but if he had just been a little safer, if he had not gotten himself crucified and he would have been able to teach for like 30 years, can you imagine all the cool stuff he would have said? That is a physical description of our Lord and Savior. But if you understand the spiritual reality that undergirds the physical story, you know that that is not at all what was going on. Jesus was not simply a wise rabbi who got uncareful and accidentally got himself killed. In fact, the spiritual reality that undergirds the death and the resurrection of Jesus, it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. And in Genesis chapter number three, God is speaking to the devil, to Satan. And he says to him, you know what? I am going to send a Messiah into the world. And the Messiah is gonna come 
and he's gonna be born of a woman and you are gonna strike at his heel, but he is gonna crush your head. And when Jesus showed up, all the evil in the world struck at his heel. He found himself nailed to a cross and it looked like it was over. It looked like he had lost, particularly in the physical realm. But Jesus was put into a tomb. His body stayed there for three days. But there was a resurrection that happened in which the spiritual won out over the physical. Jesus had lost in the physical. He was dead. But he won in the spiritual. And because remember, the spiritual is as real as the physical. And in fact, the spiritual is more real. It governs and dictates what happens in the physical because Jesus won in the spiritual realm. He also won in the physical realm and he rose from the dead bodily. You can't go find his bones. They're not there because he resurrected. He rose from the dead. He took a spiritual victory and it translated into the physical realm. It's so, so, so good. So you know what, guys? In this series, I want to open your eyes, or I want God to open your eyes. I can't open your eyes. I can barely open my own eyes some Sunday mornings. I want God to open your eyes. And in the the coming weeks, man, we're going to be talking about like the devil. Who is this guy? Where did he come from? Why did God create him? What's what's behind all of that? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about angels. Like who are these things and why do they exist? And what can I count on? Like if I drive like an idiot, is my guardian angel going to protect me? We're going to talk about all that stuff. But can I tell you, I don't want God to open your eyes to demons and devils and angels. I want God to open your eyes to Jesus. I want him to show you who Jesus is and what he can do in your life if you will just ask him. If you'll stop looking at him as some historical figure that you you vaguely remember from history class and you start looking at him as God's son given to the world so that you can know that you're loved and accepted by your heavenly father. That's what I'm praying for. God, give them eyes to see Jesus. Give them eyes to know that the physical is not all there is. God, give us eyes to recognize the spiritual source of the battles we find ourselves in every day. And God, give us faith that we are never alone in our battles. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.